Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah audio podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. To find out more information about Life Church, please check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website or by texting the word LC Give to 95577. Um, today we're going to be talking about generosity, as Pastor Marco already shared a number of years ago. I was uh, um, probably just a, a young dad, uh, I think probably in my late 20s, uh, 27, 28, somewhere around there. I, had, uh, I think I had two kids at this point. And uh, a, a friend of mine, a, a great mentor of mine, was up for a conference up in Minneapolis. And uh, I was on staff at a church up there at that point. And we are, uh, you know, just super excited about, the, about this conference. And, and he was uh, spending time with, uh, with myself and uh, Shelly and our kids and just um, really enjoying those moments. You have those people in your life that you just kind of pick up where you left off. And that's how uh, this gentleman is in my life. He was a mentor to me uh, during a program called Master's Commission and really was transformative in my 18 and 19 years uh, old when I was part of that program. And so he was up there, and we're just talking. He's asking fa- questions about the family, how the kids are doing, and uh, as we're as we're walking through the mall, and uh, in the process, I just happened to notice a watch he was wearing, and I just made an offhanded comment about his watch. I said, "Man, that is a really, really good looking watch." And he stops, he turns to look at me, and he goes, "Really? You, you you like the way it looks?" I said, "Yeah, it's really really cool watch." He proceeds to unlatch it, and he hands it to me, and he said, "It's now yours." And I went, no, 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 Lloyd. No, I was just saying I, I think it's really nice looking, but I, I'm not asking for it. And he goes, no, no, this is yours. God has blessed me in my life. I just want to bless you. And, and have you ever had somebody overwhelm you with generosity completely unexpectedly? Lift your hand real quick, right? You have those moments, and you don't know what to do. I was standing there stunned. I still have the watch. I was hoping to have it here today to show you, uh, but it is in one of our many boxes that are as yet unpacked in our house. So I looked for it yesterday and could not find it. It's in my box marked nightstand. That's, uh, that's where it is. So uh, I know I can see where it is. Uh, but I, you know, I had this moment where somebody poured out generosity to me, and it has really helped me understand that kind of generosity and giving. I also had a great example in my, my wife's grandfather, his name was uh, Kerry, but he went by Papa, and he was a pastor at a church for 48 years at the same church, and uh, down in Mayfield, Kentucky, a little town, and uh, obviously super influential through those 48 years, and people knew who he was, but one of the things that he did from time to time, uh, he would be at Walmart or something like that, and he would notice somebody in front of maybe a single mom or somebody just apparently having a bad day, and would walk up and right behind them, and as they're fumbling getting their money out, he would lay out the cash to pay for their groceries on that particular uh, day. And, you know, I, and I was there several times when he did that, and it just blew me away, that kind of generosity. That's, that's what I want to be. The question is, am I that? <laughs> right? Am I one of those people that is just ready at any moment to be generous and to be that hero in generosity? Um, when people pour into our lives generously, it lifts us in the moment. There's something that changes within us inside, and we are transformed because of others' generosity, and it can challenge us. And you see, Jesus was this kind of a leader. He was a very generous leader. He was somebody who gave of himself. We obviously know that, and that's a big part of his story. 
But listen to what he says in Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. It's a a slightly longer passage than I normally would like to read, but this is um, super vital for us as we start out this morning talking about uh, generosity because it is more than finances. Everybody say, more than finances. All right, so just kind of letting you know that as we we do this. But at the end of service, we're taking up a special offer. No, not really. Um, Luke chapter 6, he says this, but I say to you who are willing to hear. He's talking to his disciples, talking to other people, just kind of listening in. But I say to you who are willing to hear, love your enemies. How many of you love your enemies? <laughs> right? It's difficult to do. Do good to those who hate you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for challenging me. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. All of these things were going, really, Jesus? Really, is this what you really want us to do? If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. Somebody slaps me on the cheek. <laughs> Not really. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks and don't demand your things back from those who take them. Treat people in the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those, and so he's talking about these really challenging things, and then he gets down to kind of the motivation. If you love those who love you, why should you be commended? There's nothing really, even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, why should you be commended? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, why should you be commended? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. If you do, you will have a great reward. Now like this, you will be acting the way children of the Most High act. This is how people who've been changed by God act. Loving enemies, lending without expecting repayment, blessing those who curse. This is how we are supposed to act. For he was kind to ungrateful and wicked people. Have you ever felt that in your own life, that that sense that we are ungrateful? (laughs) There's a, uh, that that's ungrateful. It says, be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. It's an incredible passage of Scripture. And I think it's about generosity. It's about this giving of ourselves, this loving of others, even when they're undeserved. It's this idea that I'm giving something. So you see, God invented giving for our sake, to work greed and selfishness out of our lives. Now, often when we think giving and we think generosity, we think finances. But like I said earlier, it's not only about finances. There is so much more to generosity than just finances. Many times, greed and selfishness is sowed back in by the message that sometimes this passage of Scripture is used to preach 
and that is give to get. If I give a thousand, I'll get ten thousand in return. There's something wrong with that. So what I want to do is I want to go through four attributes of what it means to be a hero in generosity. And I I hope by the end of this, you'll find out that this is something that is all-encompassing in every bit of our lives. So turn, please, to Genesis chapter 4. The hero of generosity, very first, gives the best. The hero of generosity gives the best. Generosity 4. Genesis 4, here we go. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the first fruit, or, I'm sorry, firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. His countenance fell, and he was downcast. Eventually, if you know the rest of the story, Cain eventually, through this anger and that uh, that kind of seed planted in his heart through sin, uh, he ends up taking his brother's life, Abel. And so this passage of Scripture, I think, can be really confusing, and honestly, for a long time me as well, because you think about it, it seems like Cain brings an offering, Abel brings an offering, God doesn't like Cain's offering, but likes Abel's, and then uh, Cain is really disturbed about this whole thing. It seems kind of capricious, doesn't it? Kind of on a whim, God likes one and not the other. But that's not actually the case. If we take a little bit uh, deeper look at this passage, I think we start uh, seeing what is at stake here, and it deals with the heart. Not necessarily the offering itself, but it deals with the heart. And so it says that Abel, I'm sorry, it says that Cain brought an offering of grain. So was it the offering of grain that God was unhappy with? No, because we find out later on throughout the uh, Old Testament, find out that grain offerings are completely accepted by God. This is what God commands us to do in the Old Testament is to bring grain offerings along with animal sacrifices. And so it's not necessarily the kind of sacrifice that was brought that's the problem. Maybe you might think that, um, well, here's what we run into, though, when we read this a little more carefully. It says, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of, of the ground. It says, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. It's kind of like what the author is getting at is that that Cain is just looking around at what he had on hand. Wasn't that important? Just, oh, here's this. I feel obligated. I'm just going to give this. Just what I have left over here, I'm going to bring that. Abel, on the other hand, something about him said, I've got to bring my best. And so I think Abel was this hero of generosity. And what did he bring God? He brought God the firstborn, and he brought the fat portions. I like grilling out. And I like a good ribeye. Why do I like ribeye? Because it's got that fat marbled all the way through, doesn't it? I mean, it's just brilliant when you cook it. It's just awesome. 
Okay, and so here's Abel, yeah, here's Abel bringing a ribeye. I don't think God's that concerned with the type of cut it was. It was the importance of it, right? And, um, but he's bringing the best, my kids cut the fat off. I'm like, no. Um, And so bringing the fat portions and the best, the firstborn. Now, the firstborn, this idea of principle, we're going to get back to it in just a a little bit, going to talk about this again. But this idea of the firstborn is um, the firstborn represents the hopes and dreams for that individual, say, for the shepherd. Uh, The firstborn male is what's being referred to here. The firstborn male, all of the hopes and dreams rest on the the continuation of this flock of sheep, doesn't it? (laughs) And so if you take out the ability for there to be children, all of a sudden the flock becomes less. And so the idea of giving the firstborn the very best of his flock and saying, God, this is yours. I trust you with it. And that's saying, God, I'm giving my best because I trust you for the rest of my life to also bring to me the good things you have in store for me. So when it comes to generosity, do we look to be generous with what's left over or are we generous with our best? Um, some of you uh, might know my car situation. And so I, I, have, I have a 2005 Chrysler PT Cruiser GT, 2.4 liter. All right, 2005. It used to, it used to go like zero to 60 in like six seconds or so, six and a half seconds. Now it's like 10, you know, it's got issues. Okay, so I've got that car. Then I have the 1974 Ford Bronco. Mm. If I wanted to be generous, which would I give? Oh, the PT Cruiser, easily. (laughs) Okay. So Cain brings an offering. Just what he has, whatever's convenient, whatever he's just got sitting around. Abel brings the firstborn, the best. Now, I've got to be honest with you folks. As your pastor, if somebody said, yes, God wants you to give the Bronco, as your pastor, I'd be like, yes, that's the very spiritual thing to do, and I will do that. As the owner of a classic car, <laughs> that's a whole lot more difficult, isn't it? And isn't it giving our best more difficult? But there's something about the hero generosity that gives the best. And so that leads to our next principle. The hero of generosity gives cheerfully. Your generosity gives cheerfully. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. This, this idea of sowing and reaping is all throughout the word of God. Each person should do what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Smile at somebody and say, I'm cheerful, (laughs) right? So God loves a cheerful. There's something inside of us. Now, listen, when you're a cheerful giver, this is what begins to happen. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good freely he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
You'll be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. See what happens to the cheerful giver. <laughs> because of the proof of the ministry, uh, provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the heart, from the heart of a cheerful giver, did you see all the things that happened? There's an overflowing of grace. There's a, 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 a possession of everything that you need. You excel in good works. There's a thankfulness, and that thankfulness is overflowing for salvation for others because of your cheerful, generous giving. And it finishes as this indescribable gift of Jesus Christ for the world around us. And that's through generous giving and that cheerful heart. Now, once again, it's not only finances that are at stake here. It is all of our lives can be a picture of that generosity. Um, so that cheerful giving, that's an attitude. And I've been known from time to time, ask my wife, uh, uh, I've been known from time to time to not have a cheerful attitude for some of the events that I know that I should do. Anybody ever have that before where you know you should do something, but that cheerful attitude eludes you? Anybody with me or am I the only one? Okay. And so at that point, I, 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 I turned from being the husband to the wonderful wife, uh, Shelly. I turn into the teenage boy that she says to, just like we do to our teenagers, you're going to go and you're going to enjoy it. Anybody ever, <laughs> ever been there before? Yeah. That's only happened once in our marriage. And um, I'm like, really? I'm your husband. And so, uh, but, but seriously, and then something happens though within me and God gives us that ability to change our attitude and the attitude changes, my heart changes, the face changes and you go to that event, whatever it is, and there's a cheerfulness about it. Now, all of a sudden, that event has a whole new take on it. You see people you haven't seen for a while, and you connect with them, or you find an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody because your attitude is right. And I think the same thing could be said about the hero of generosity who's a cheerful giver with a cheerful heart. That attitude allows us to see things differently. And to recognize that our generosity results in praise to God, not only for ourselves, but for those to whom we are being generous. So I give because God gave, right? I, I give because God has given so much, and I need to give cheerfully in return. And so this leads us to the next principle. So, uh, so that hero in faith at the very beginning is that hero who gives the best, and then we give cheerfully. And then the hero of generosity gives with the future in mind. We set the example for the generations that are coming behind us. This is passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 13. It talks about the firstborn. So let me read through this. It says, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, so the nation of Israel is not yet in uh, the promised land, not yet in the, the land that will be called Israel. They're traveling still. And so kind of giving a heads up, when you arrive there, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. 
Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or you, um, or you will not redeem it. You shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time, in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? So in other words, when we are giving, when we are generous, when we are redeeming that idea of the firstborn, when we are giving our best, and there's a cheerfulness about it, and our children ask us, what does this mean? Why do you do this? You shall, you shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. So our generosity, our giving becomes a story that we are able to tell to our children, to our grandchildren, to our nieces, to our nephews, and I would say sometimes even up to tell to our parents that God has done something in our lives. Recognize that this is not just done in a vacuum, but God has saved us for something. And we can say, God, I give because you've transformed my life. You have changed me from the inside out. I had a father who was alcoholic. I had a grandfather who was alcoholic. God, this changes with my generation. No longer will my kids have to fight through that. No longer will my kids be bound by that chain. God, and I am so grateful. I will be generous to the people around me. And I'm going to tell my story, right? So my generosity impacts the generations coming after me. And I pray one day when I have grandkids, I don't have them yet, but one of these days, right, when I have grandkids, that that story will be told through my life being generous. It's a legacy. How is what I am giving now setting the table for future generations? Uh, my brother and I were talking about this the other day. We remember uh, when we, we attended Mountain View back years ago when I was just a wee little lad. And um, when we attended there, I remember uh, this was early on in the 80s. My parents were still together and uh, things were still really strong in our family. And uh, I remember mom or dad writing the, writing the tithe check. And uh, then, then I would grab it immediately and fold it up, and then we put it in the offering plate. And I remember putting that in, you know, week after week after week, throwing that in there, and it set a generational standard for me, even though I did see struggles in my family, but it set something within me to recognize that God gets the first. God gets the best, and there was never any grumbling and complaining on the part of my parents about it. It's just what we did as a family was we gave. And I am, a, I am a product of that kind of uh, faithful giving through the years that my uh, mom and dad modeled for me early on in my life. God has set me free. <laughs> I'm in chains no more. And my generosity is a part of my worship to God. And that's why I think our worship experience here on Sunday mornings has got to be so powerful because God has saved us from so much, hasn't he? And so we need to be generous with that praise. So I give because God gave. And then we end with this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up here. The hero of generosity knows the source of giving. Why be generous? That, that becomes our source question, right? Why do we do this? Because it's the nature of God to give. It's at the very core of who God is is that he's a giving God, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And if we're going to put all the gospel, all the story of who God is and what he does into the shortest possible sentence, really it is God gave. 
That's it, the bottom line. God is a giving God. He is the source of that. Matthew chapter 6, we kind of see this idea of where our source is. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't store up for yourself a 1974 Ford Bronco, right? That's not the treasure. <laughs> where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's our source, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where the treasure is, your heart is. <laughs> Not where your heart is, your treasure is. It's a very important thing. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's writing this. He says, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Our source is in the fact that Jesus gave himself for us. That's the bottom line. We can never get away from that generous act of sacrifice that God sent his only son to die for us. It's the foundation of Christ that is our foundation of abundance and generosity. So I want to jump back to the very beginning here as we close out Luke chapter 6. Beginning of verse 13. He says this again. Hope you remember it from the beginning. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Now, translations carry that, that sentence on. Many other ones, though, they stop right there. Give and it will be given to you, period. And then another thought starts up. It says, a good portion will fall into your lap. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. So the question is, what exactly is Jesus talking about here? Is, is he only talking about give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together? Or is there something, remember the context of all of this. It started off with love your neighbors. I'm sorry, love your enemies. Well, love your neighbors too. But love your enemies is where it started off, right? Bless those who curse you. And then he gets to the end of this. Then into your lap will fall an ever-increasing measure of generosity. This context puts the promise in a very sobering light. If you give judgment... Judgment will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you give condemnation, condemnation will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It works both ways. So our lives, just fill this up real quick. Judgment. When, when we give out judgment, do we think it doesn't come back to us? Do we think that it just, it fills up right to the top, right to the rim, and, and that's it, and only the good things, let's say, blessing. 
because we like blessing, right? How many of you like blessing, right? And so blessing, when we give blessing, what happens is it comes and it overflows into our lives and it's a wonderful, awesome, and beautiful thing. Love that. But that principle of generosity goes beyond just the good things. The problem is when we think that judgment doesn't result in an overflowing in our lives of the same thing that we're giving out. What about love? How many of you need a little more love in your life, right? And so we pour out love in people's lives and just something happens, that overflowing begins to go in our lives. And we are like, God, we thank you so much for that love you've given us. And then the next stance, next moment, condemnation is the thing we begin pouring out. Somebody doesn't measure up to our expectations. Somebody who thinks that it's not good enough. Somebody that we point a finger at and we wonder why that condemnation seems to heap back over on our lives. So the principle at work here is the fact that this is this idea of generosity, of giving of ourselves. The Bible says we give and we get in return. (laughs) But the problem is the motivation of the heart. I'm forgiven. Right? And boy, I want to be a person who's generous in my forgiveness towards people. Somebody wrongs me, God, I forgive them. Because Lord, I need your forgiveness poured out in my life. I need hope poured out in my life. Because God, I need to be forgiven for so much. big idea of generosity. God, I want to give generously every bit of my life because, Lord, I want that blessing poured out into others' lives. Remember, it results in praise. Finances. You didn't think I'd do this whole message and not deal specifically with finances at some point, right? (laughs) Okay. The ultimate message that Jesus gives in Luke 6 give, right? Give to those who ask you. Give to those who can't pay back. Give love to those who don't deserve it. Give mercy to those who wrong you. Give the kind of treatment you would hope to receive from others. Give, 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 and oh, by the way, when you do, Father will make sure that you get much more in return, right? Do you see the subtle but important distinction and emphasis When you give with what looks like reckless abandon, you are following God's example. We should give for the pure joy of imitating our wonderful Father. So finances in particular, part of generosity in a way that I don't think anything else does. And part earned this hundred dollars. It's mine. Right? I, I'm, I'm earning a living. It's my money. What's that old commercial? It's my money and I want it now. Right? <laughs> that, that, uh, that horrible commercial. Now I've got it in your head. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's, it's my money, isn't it? No. Did God give you the ability to breathe? Did God give you the ability to work with your hands for those of you in that labor of those, with the brain, with the mind? I mean, all of those things, right? God gave. 
And so in return, this generosity that God challenges us is something called the tithe. And the tithe is basically a picture of the firstborn. It's a picture of that hero who gives the best off the top before anything else is taken out, before any bills are paid, before anything. The tithe is what is God's. And we wonder why God doesn't bless us, right? So the tithe belongs to God. But Rich, you're heaping condemnation. No, I want blessings in your life. I want to see God do miraculous in your life. Not only finance, finances, where's the, oh yeah, this. Not only finances, but I want God to pour out forgiveness and love and blessing in your lives. And finances can be a picture of that. So at Life Church, we operate on your faithfulness. The, the church is a strange organism in that we don't charge people to come in on a Sunday morning. You don't have to pay to get in. It's not like every seat costs $5 and every day you got to come and bring your $5. If you got a friend, it's $10, you know, or whatever it might be. <laughs> okay? We operate completely on the goodwill and the generosity and the heart and the best of what this, the Congregation of Life Church, brings on a weekly, uh, bi-weekly, a monthly, a yearly basis. Whatever that is, what you bring in is how we do ministry. And so when we want to see new ministries birthed, it's because of your faithfulness gives us that opportunity to expand what God is doing within this place. Looking to hire a children's pastor and expand our children's ministry and family ministry. Well, I mean, you never know how God is going to expand uh, to, new, to new, uh, new places and new areas for us to minister, right? But it's your faithfulness and your generosity being poured out that allows us to be a blessing. So we are, as the people of God here at Life Church, in a position to bring hope, love, joy, peace, blessing to our neighborhood, to our city, to our valley, to our state, all through your generosity, right? So what does this look like? When we begin to pour out our generosity, giving our best, right? in our finances, saying, God, this is all yours anyway. I'm just going to start by giving to you. I believe God honors all giving. I, I sincerely believe that with all my heart. You say, Pastor Rich, the 10% is where I should be. Yeah, I think that's where you should be, but what happens if you start with 1%? I think what happens is God sees that heart. God sees that generous heart growing, and all of a sudden you realize out of that $100, that $1, I'm not really missing that much. And you begin to trust God with your firstborn, right? With the best and say, God, I'm not going to give 2%. God, I'm going to give 3 I'm going to give 4 5 Get to 10%, you go, wow. That 90% goes way farther than the 100%. Let me see what happens when I give 11%. Let me see what happens when that generosity overflows. God, let me give up uh, missions. I mean, God, let me be generous because, God, you have been so generous in my life. So where do you start? Start somewhere. <laughs> but start. And like I said, we're not taking up a second offering today. This would be a great time to take up an offering because guilt can be all over this place, right? That'll be next week when we take up our normal offering that we do every single Sunday. And I believe God is going to start at work in your hearts 
to begin doing something new and dramatic and miraculous within the body of Christ here at Life Church Utah. Because I don't think God has put us here to be a place of poverty, but to be a place of generosity to the community around us to reach those who don't know Christ. Because our generosity ends in praise to God. That's what the word says super plainly. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here as we close out. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.